Good morning, everyone. It is a pleasure and a joy to be here with you to celebrate my grandson's baptism and also to share God's word with all of you. Thank you for the way that you treat my son, Caleb, as your pastor. Uh, it gives my wife and I joy to know that he is well cared for. I'd like to share with you today the word of God from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 27. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, grant us strength and comfort through your holy word. Amen. How would you feel if you just experienced a financial disaster? Many people felt they were experiencing financial disasters in 
2013 and 2008 and 2002. Maybe you've made some poor financial decisions in your life over the last few years and you're wondering if you're going to ever make it financially. Maybe you trusted someone with your finances and they turned against you. Or maybe something bad happened to you in the past financially and you're not sure how your future looks, especially as you get closer to retirement. Maybe you feel like you're just surviving. You're not really thriving. You're living from paycheck to paycheck. And you keep asking yourself, am I really going to make it? Or maybe it's not your finances, but maybe it's your health. Your health hasn't been so good lately. You haven't gotten great reports from your doctor, and you're wondering if your health is ever going to get better again. Maybe it's your job. Your job is frustrating you. And you want to get out of that job and get into a better job, but you don't know if you can do that. And so you might be stuck in the job that you are in right now for a long time, if not the rest of your career. Or maybe you recently lost a loved one. And you're asking yourself, how, how am I ever going to live without that person again? Have any of those thoughts ever entered your mind? If not you, maybe it was someone close to you, a friend of yours who's going through some of those difficult times right now. And when you go through difficult times like that, it's easy to somewhat feel like you're being cheated out of life. Like, there's something that you're not going to get to do or have that other people are getting to do and have. Everyone else is doing fine financially. Everyone else has a good job and they're happy. Everyone else has good health. No one else loses loved ones, but it seems to always happen to me. Why me? Why now? God's Word has some inspiration for you today from the book of Philippians. The Apostle Paul wrote this book or this letter to the Christians in Philippi. And he wrote this letter while he was in chains as a prisoner. And yet there's no bitterness in Paul. Even though he is a prisoner in jail, he doesn't have any bitter thoughts. In fact, there's sort of a calm serenity about this letter. And it's an inspiration for me when I read Paul's words in the midst of his difficult life. And I want it to be an inspiration to you as well. Because I'm guessing that some of you here this morning are going through some difficult times right now, and if you are not going through them now, you will at some point in your life. We're going to look this morning at three ironies from God's Word. It begins in chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, 
that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. If you're following along on the outline, point number one, God's agenda is accomplished in spite of your limitations. God's agenda is accomplished in spite of your limitations. So why does Paul say what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel? We have to then ask the question, what happened to Paul? While Paul was in prison, Governor Festus sent him on a ship across the Mediterranean Sea to Caesar in Rome. Now you might be thinking, that sounds actually pretty good. A cruise ship across the Mediterranean Sea, that sounds wonderful. Stopping at exotic ports, little sunshine, sunbathing outside, maybe a dip in the pool on deck, maybe a little bit of a dance after the captain's dinner. This sounds like a wonderful thing for Paul. In actuality, it wasn't. You see, the Mediterranean Sea can be a death trap if it's sailed at the wrong time of the year. And when they were sending the Apostle Paul across the Mediterranean Sea, it was one of those times. A sudden storm came up, the ship began to lose its direction, it fell apart, and it ended up landing on a place called the island of Malta, which is near Sicily in the Mediterranean Sea. And from there, Paul was taken to Rome. He was still a prisoner in chains. And that's where he spent the rest of his life. Now, just hearing that, you might say, what a terrible life Paul lived. All of these bad things that happened to him in his life, and this was just one of them. Anything that could have gone wrong for Paul did go wrong. What a disaster of a life. And yet, Paul says, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What in the world was Paul thinking? How could all of these bad things that happened to Paul be something that gives him joy because it advances the gospel? If you're going to be a missionary like Paul was, how can you be a missionary if you are in chains in prison? And yet Paul says, this has actually worked out pretty well. You see, in prison, Paul got to speak and talk to people who were in prison with him about the gospel. He got to talk to the soldiers in prison and share Jesus with them. He got to spend many hours with the governor and witness to him as well. He got to meet other prisoners. He met the prison guards, was able to interact with them as well. And so Paul says in all of this, God's agenda is being accomplished in spite of my limitations of being imprisoned as a prisoner. You know, in our culture today, we think highly of the strong and the mighty, don't we? People that have it all together. And yet Paul says here, my weakness became a platform for the gospel. Not his strength, 
but his weakness, his limitations. In our culture today, we think highly of the bold and the beautiful, and yet here is a weak old man who says this all happened according to God's agenda. He says in verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Paul says, all of this that has happened to me gives me an amazing story to tell. Can you imagine hanging out with Paul by the fire? Some of you know people like that. When you hang out together and they have some amazing stories to tell and you just sit and listen in amazement. And Paul was one of those guys. Let me tell you about the time I was in prison. And Paul says, all of this gives me a chance to share the gospel. So even in the midst of being a prisoner, Paul says, I was even more of a missionary being a prisoner than I would have been if I was a free man. And then he says in verse 14, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So he says, my chains and my limitations have made me and others even more courageous to share the gospel. So point number two on your outline, your limitations can make you more courageous to serve God, more courageous to serve God. It should actually be the reverse, right? When you see somebody who is persecuted, somebody who is beaten, somebody who is worn down, who's treated poorly because they're a Christian, you would think that that would intimidate them to remaining quiet. Why would I speak up when every time I talk about Jesus or every time I talk about church, I'm ridiculed or made fun of or people don't have time to listen to that? But Paul did the opposite. His courage made him say, what am I holding back for? Why do I have to remain silent? I can speak up about Jesus. I don't have to fear what other people fear. I don't even have to fear death. And friends, you don't have to fear anything as well. Not even death. You see, as humans, we are very much aware of the shortness of life, aren't we? I mean, I'm the poster child for that. I look at how quickly life goes by. It was only 30 years ago when I looked a lot like your pastor. And he looked a lot like Clayton, and Zoe, and Irene. Time goes by quickly. And if you're not sure about that, look at one of the pictures of yourself in an old photo album, and you'll see what I mean. Life goes by quickly. Before you know it, it's over. We're well aware of the brevity of life, and so we sometimes feel like we have to do whatever we have to do to be able to have what other people have that I've never been able to experience. 
to do all of the things that I've always wanted to do before my life is over. To get what I deserve in life. To get what I feel I have coming to me in life. And so we rush to the finish line of our life, making sure that we get to do and get to have and get to experience everything that we wanted to do and have and experience. But Paul says, I'm going to heaven. And so I I don't have to be afraid that I'm not going to have the amount of money that I thought I should have by this time in my life. I don't have to be afraid that I'm not going to get to do certain things with my life that I always wanted to do, but I may never have time to do anymore. You see, your death is not the end of you. You don't have to feel like you have to get and have and do all of those things that you've wanted to get and have and do in life because there's an eternity still to come. And as good as the good things are here on earth, they are even better in heaven. Your life is not going to end just because your body stops breathing here on earth. You know, sometimes God blesses people here on earth with a lot of money. Maybe you're one of them. Abraham in the Bible was one of them. He was a very wealthy man. God blessed him with a lot of money. In fact, Abraham was really Abraham Incorporated. He had dozens of employees and cattle and flocks. He was a very wealthy man. But Abraham had something missing in his life that everyone else seemed to have. And maybe he felt like he was being cheated. Everybody else has this, but I don't. Why is it just me? Do you remember what he was missing? A child. Everybody else had children, but not Abraham. Why me, God? Perhaps came out of his mouth. Why me? You see, God chose to make Abraham wait until he was 100 years old before he could have a child. And so, just like the Apostle Paul, who was in prison, Abraham had a limitation. And his limitation was his childlessness. And yet, that became his greatest ministry. That became exactly what God wanted him to be and exactly where God wanted him to be. Same thing was true with the Apostle Paul. He says in verse 16, I was put here for the defense of the gospel. Paul's imprisonment was not a mistake or some kind of fluke or oversight by God. Look at what he says. I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Sometimes when we have troubles or difficulties in our life or limitations or disabilities, it's because you were put there by God. You were put 
in your MS. You were put in your leg braces. You were put in your sickness. You were put in your limitations. You were put in your bad job. You were put in your cancer. You were put in your financial troubles. You were put in your difficulties. Doesn't that sound insane? You were put there by God so that his agenda for your life could be accomplished. Sometimes we think that the only way that God blesses us is by making us richer and healthier and happier. And God might do that. But he also might make you poor and sick and sad and let you serve him in that position of life instead. The question is, do you have the courage to let God use both of the the good things and also the bad things in your life as opportunities for you to serve him? Finally, Paul says in verse 19, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul says, my imprisonment will make me better. Verse 20 and 21, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In other words, whether I live or die, I win either way. If you're following along on the outline, that's point number three. Whether you live or die, you win either way. If I win by dying, then I don't have to worry about the bucket list of things that I want to do and have and experience. Because death is not going to be the end of me. Death is just my body that stops functioning. But I myself, the soul that God has given me, will continue to live forever. Death is just the beginning of a new life, a second life, a better life, a perfect life, a life with a whole bunch of more important bucket list of things to do and to have and to experience. In other words, friends, I have all the time that I need, and so I can relax and live the life that God has given me. You don't have to be a millionaire to be someone special. You don't have to have a real estate empire to be someone special. You don't have to have a large house or a seven-figure income to be someone special. 
You can like yourself just the way that God made you. With all of your illnesses, all of your troubles, all of your difficulties. And you can accept the place that God has put you in life. And you can let God use you for who you are and for where he wants you to be. And you can take comfort in knowing that you were made by God exactly the way you are. And you were redeemed by God in the middle of your sins. He sent his son, Jesus, to show how much he loves you. Willing to give up his life on a cross to pay for everything you've ever done wrong so that you could have a life that will never end. You're precious to him. You're valuable to him. You're loved by him. And you're forgiven by him. And therefore, you can serve God in your life, whether you are rich or poor, whether you are healthy or unhealthy, whether you are old or young. It doesn't matter. You can die in your 90s or you can die as a child. It doesn't matter. Because you will never run out of time. You have all the time you need in heaven. And so you can live without fear. You don't have to be afraid of what's coming in the future. You don't have to be afraid of when you're going to die or how you're going to die. You don't have to be afraid that you're not going to get to do what you've always wanted to do, like see your grandchildren grow up, or take a trip to Hawaii, or go bungee jumping, or see the Leafs win the Stanley Cup. You don't have to be afraid that something's going to be taken from you. You don't have to be afraid that you're going to be cheated in life. You don't have to be afraid that you're going to get ripped off because other people got to do things that you never got to do. Other people get to have things that you don't get to have. You don't have to be afraid that your life will be taken from you. Your life can't be taken from you. Even if some angry person with a gun pulls out his gun and shoots you and takes your life, guess what? God gives it right back to you. And so you can live your life without fear, no matter how it goes and no matter how it ends. Paul says in verses 22 to 24, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what should I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Maybe you know some people whose lives have been hard. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's a friend or a family member 
Maybe it's an elderly person whose life has been hard. If you know some people who are old, sometimes they wonder why they're still living. Have you ever heard that from someone who's old? Why am I still here? Why am I still living? They don't feel like they're making a difference because they're not mobile enough. They're not healthy enough. They're not important enough. Sometimes people feel like their life is worthless. It has no meaning. Friends, you have a wonderful message to give to people like that. When you go to see elderly people in a nursing home or an assisted living center, talk about more than just sports or the weather. Help them to see and to celebrate their position in life where they can serve God and accomplish his purpose regardless of their age and regardless of their health. If God didn't have a purpose for them, he would have taken them to heaven a long time ago. But they're still here because they still have a purpose. I don't know if you realize this, but did you know that nursing homes and assisted living homes have some of the most unchurched people in the entire world? Did you know that? And yet, very few people visit them. Very few people talk with them, sit with them, listen to them. Very few people tell them about Jesus. Friends, they... um, They are so close to the end of their life. It is the best time to tell them about their Savior, especially when they have a lot of time to listen to you. This is a big deal for many of you today. And if not for some of you here today, then certainly for other people in your lives that you know. Don't ever let anybody, including yourself, say, because of my circumstances in life, there is nothing I can do. Because of my situation, there's nothing I can do for the Lord. That's not true. You win either way. If you live, you have things you can do for the Lord. If you die, You get to be with the Lord. You win either way. Paul says in verse 27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That is your mission. So use your time on this earth, use your circumstances in life, whether they are good or whether they are bad. Use your relationships that you have in your life. Use your geographical location in life. Use your resources in your life, whatever they may be. And let God use you to make a difference in the relationships that only you have. There are people that you know that will listen to very few other people except you. They'll listen to you because they trust you. 
This is your chance to be like the Apostle Paul and not let your hurts and your disabilities and your health and your shortness of life and your difficulties and troubles make you feel bitter and cheated about life, like you're not getting what you deserve. Instead, you can know that you are loved by God and empowered by God and useful to God so that you can live the rest of your life without fear. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord Jesus, we come to you today with our thanks for all that you've done for us. Your resurrection guarantees our immortality and helps us to frame the way that we see the rest of our lives. Instead of panicking as time is running out and we're getting older, instead of feeling cheated at all of the things we wish we could have done and never had time to do, instead of wishing that things could have been different, and now everything is fading away and we're getting older and weaker all the time, yet we can see our lives filled with abundance. We know we will have an endless supply of time and blessings when we live with you forever in heaven. And that takes all the fear out of the way we live our life here on earth. We can spend the rest of our life on this earth enjoying each day, knowing that there is much, much more to come in heaven. Because of what you've done for us, we never get tired of saying thank you. And may our joy in Christ be infectious toward others and help us to help the people we know and love in our lives to also be able to live their lives without fear. In your name we pray. Amen.